folks, if you enjoy our guidance about the management trinity, getting to know your people, talking about performance, asking for more, pushing work down, and our tools are helpful, one-on-ones, feedback, coaching, and delegation. The ideal way to learn about implementing them is to come to one of our effective manager conferences. One day, we cover all of the major topics. You practice feedback. You practice coaching. You practice delegation. I can't tell you the number of times people have said to us, wow, I thought I understood the tools. And then when I had to practice, I realized I've taken it to another level. Come to the website, check out our conference schedule, see us all over the U.S. and in Europe and in Asia and in Australia. See you there. Welcome to Manager Tools. Leader's Intent, Part 2. Here we go. How do we start using Leader's Intent to improve our communications, our results, and then ultimately, the way you said it at the beginning, Mike, our directs. So, before you start any project or ask for anything to be done that requires more than one step, think carefully about what you want to achieve and why that result matters. How does it fit in? What does it contribute to? How does it fit into the constellation of the future that you guys are headed toward? Communicate your plans so that you describe the final end state clearly and why you're asking for it, okay? So I have a couple of examples. Um, If you wanna cut costs in a certain area, make it clear the target for the reduction and why those costs, costs need to be cut. Remember, Peter Drucker says you don't control costs, you only cut them. Maybe it's to make room in the budget for another project and that means Some items probably shouldn't be cut because they'll be part of the new project as well. Some other items won't help either project and then therefore are more able to be trimmed. Don't provide the spreadsheet to your directs and then say, of your budget, and then say, I want cuts of 1% here, 3% here, and 25,000 USD here without explaining why they're necessary, okay? I'm going to give an example that we generally don't give general manager examples, um, but I want to reinforce the idea that this is an executive tools. And so therefore, um, if you've never heard this before, folks, at least in the US, the title general manager um, generally means that that is a person at a junior executive level, depending upon the size of the company, where he or she has responsibility for um, profitability. Um, At the general manager level, they have responsibility for both sales and costs. Most managers at lower levels tend to have only responsibility for costs, uh, unless you're in sales, in which case you have responsibility for revenue, okay? So suppose you're a general manager and you need to make in a given quarter, a given year, a certain sales profitability number. As a general manager, you're not just responsible for revenue, you also have some costs and they're gonna take sales over costs, sales minus costs and determine your profitability. So in your case, it's going to take both good sales numbers and some tighter cost controls, which would be in the form of cutting. You do some analysis and you decide that you can't cut the travel and expense budgets without endangering some of the trips your sales team needs to make. But you think that maybe, you know, based on your experience thus far in the year, okay, that you could be doing something in shipping and freight costs that you just been feeling like maybe we're spending too much money there. Now, here's what you don't say that I think, actually, this is almost a direct quote of uh, a general manager I, I heard 
give something. This is several years ago. And it popped back into my head when you, Mike, you and I had the conversation about manager and leader and commander's intent. Here's what you don't say. And I think this is the common thing that most managers would do. Hey, folks, we need to do something about freight and shipping costs. I really think we're over there. I don't know how, or I'm not really clear about it, but I'm thinking if we could cut 100,000 USD dollars out of that, out of shipping and freight, we would really help our end of year numbers. Here's some places I've identified where there might be some costs we can renegotiate, maybe some contracts we can tighten up, some stuff we can just stop doing, and maybe some actions we can delay for six months that won't hurt our customer service numbers this year. Okay. That's the planful way of announcing your cost-cutting needs. And, and by the way, I'm only giving you the first paragraph. What that manager would probably do is say, Bob, you know, I, I really want you to look at contracts. You've got good contract experience. So take a look at our contracts. See which ones are more than two years old. Those are the ones that probably we can go back and renegotiate because we've had relationships with a lot of these shippers for years and years and years. And they've been ratcheting up the rates, but we haven't been changing the level of effort or the service level agreement, the SLA, that they delivered us. Um, and if they're going to charge us more, then we got to be able to get more out of them if they really want a relationship with us. And uh, Barbara, you know, you've got the budget on the logistics side. So I want you to go line by line through the budget. I want you to tell me what our trends are for the last three years. And I want you to tell me um, where we've spiked, if anywhere, um, and where maybe we could flatten. And I need that within two weeks. And then, Thomas, you're our budget and forecasting guy, let's take a look at the impact of delaying some of this stuff into the next year and see whether or not that will hurt our pro forma for next year. So that's the further conclusion of that. Okay. So look, that's the planful way of announcing your need to cut some costs. Right. And that's what most managers do. Yeah. Yeah. You, you found the need and guys, we're not saying this is wrong. This is one way to do things that is fairly standard. You were probably taught this by your previous manager who will never be an executive. And had you had some experience with executives, they would have probably said, yeah, that's not really the way you want to do it, man. You know, your boss probably said, you found a need, you looked at your budget, you thought through opportunities and costs, you drilled down into some of the details, and now you're going to let your people loose to work in the area your planning has identified most likely to plan out to achieve your goal that you've told them we need to get there. Now let's contrast that with announcing it using leader's intent. And you'll notice the difference right away is that the start is not about costs, it's about the goal. So here we go. Folks, I've been looking at profitability numbers lately. Maybe you'd have a slide. Our biggest contribution here in this organization is our net deliverable to the company. When we hit our net, our profitability target, all kinds of positives come our way in terms of availing ourselves of strategic budget for uh, new initiatives and so on. And right now, this year, I think we can make both our gross and net numbers it's not a sure thing. I think you guys probably know that. If you don't know it, um, take a look at the budget and historical, and you'll probably be able to figure it out. One way we could really increase our chances of meeting gross and net would be to take a look at some of our costs for the last five months of the year. And the reason I say that is right now, if our sales team only delivers to plan, that is, guys, they only sell what they plan for each month, we will have the top line we promised. Okay? We'll have a good top line. But if you plan it out, I think what you'll see, we'll have too much costs in there. And so we'll end up missing the net target. 
And I've been in organizations where that happens before, by the way. Everybody's really excited when we meet the sales goal, and then they get, and so they sort of get up, and then they get bummed out when the math gets done, and they say, oh, we didn't meet our net, and that's where the big bonuses are paid for. That's where the big incentive money is paid for is on the net. Um, and then there's all sorts of repercussions and um, finger pointing them out. Well, God, if I'd have just known that, I could have avoided pain. We could have avoided, we could have done this. Okay, so we're going to take a look at revenue, and we're definitely going to see if there's some hidden wins we can find. Okay, but guys, listen, even if we don't find some hidden wins, if we just meet the sales plan, and I believe Sarah, our salesperson, our sales manager, is going to do that for us. I trust Sarah. She's got a good plan. Her people are good. If we do meet our sales plan and we cut $100,000 out of our costs this year, we will make our target. So my challenge to you, challenge to you guys is to find $100,000 in costs that we can take out of the spend for the remainder of the year. Now look, high level, I'd probably be careful about cutting uh, in the travel and expense area because that's going to limit our ability to close some extra sales if we find those wins. But to tell you the truth, I'm not saying don't look there, right? If you find something there that is not going to benefit us, but it's going to cost us some money, <laughs> you know, we don't want undocumented features. On the other hand, I suspect there are some opportunities in the shipping and freight area for reductions. You know, perhaps there's some contract renegotiations, some just plain cuts, and some creativity could find us a big part of their number. The key here is find some savings to meet our number which is the same thing as saying everybody doing our job, right? Everything's on the table. So much so that you can start, if you like, this is how I found it helps me be more creative, is zeroing out all the costs that we have and then adding stuff back in and thinking that way may help you be a little bit more creative about things rather than saying, oh, I can't cut this, I can't cut that. Start with what makes the cut? What are the most important things that have to be in there to allow us to meet our gross number? Don't make anything a sacred cow. Don't assume. And maybe there's some stuff just laying there out in the open for us. And, and if we just change it, how we do things, right? There's a process change that we planned five years ago, but in fact, now that process, we follow it. But the person who's doing it wasn't involved in the planning of the process. And so they don't know why we do it. And they may have some ideas, but that's the way we do it here. That's an example yeah. of what to do. And I didn't get, you know, you just stay out of the weeds a little bit. But you're explaining over and over again, gross and net. Now, to the general manager, that's the big picture, gross and net. But you could certainly do this if you're a software development manager or a freight manager or, or an operations manager or a sales manager. Yeah, absolutely. And, folks, we do this at Manager Tools all the time, and it's amazing what comes out of this. Your folks who are actually executing on, you know, operationally your, your company, they know more about this stuff than you do. You may not believe them, but they often do. And it's amazing the number of things that come back. You just never would have thought about it. Yeah. So, guys, if you brief someone on a project plan or a series of actions, start with what you want to achieve in terms of results, outputs, goals, and its context, why it's being done, why, 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 why. Show them where the project fits in to the overall goals of your organization or if you're down in the weeds somewhere, the organization you support or the organization you're in. Tell them that individual decisions that depart from the plan along the way may be smarter than sticking to the plan if somebody could make the case that things have changed 
or the different decision better supports the overall goal, the why of the effort, rather than simply mindlessly following the plan, step one, step two, step three. In other words, let the why that you share with them which, by the way, sometimes, guys, may mean sharing some political sense of what's happening above you. That would be good. You're never going to live in a non-political world. It's okay to share with people how executives work together and how one person likes somebody else and how we, we've decided that in this particular case we're going to support this executive even though it's kind of in a gray area for us. Let the why of the project inform your people's own hows to get it done. That helps them learn how to make decisions, how to weigh varying factors, how to trust themselves in situations of uncertainty, and how to achieve goals not by just being a pair of hands, but by contributing their creativity and judgment. Okay, so once you've issued the leader's intent, I keep on wanting to say, say commander's intent, old habits die, die hard, I guess. Um, <laughs> well, so what's the next step after you've, you've issued it? Yeah, this is a particularly important if you're going to make this change and you're, you're hearing us say, Hey, planful manager, we're not, we're not shaking our finger at you. We, we're good planful managers at times too, but you've got to encourage your directs. You've got to tell them, uh, encourage them to decide and to act toward the intent, toward the leader's intent, rather than just leaving it up to them. That's right. They're, they're going to be very unsettled. If, you, if yeah, this is them, not yeah. the way you normally manage, they're going to be confused. They're going to be worried. You're going to get somebody who's probably, uh, for you, disc folks, a high C, a, a perfectionist, a, an I daughter, and a T crosser, uh, planning is everything, and planning is everything, and planning is everything, say, well, how are we going to do that? Where, where's the spreadsheet? Well, we're not going to do it this time. I trust you guys. You guys are smart. You show me to be good. Um, I'm going to give you a great deal more leeway in terms of the details here. I'm happy to sit in on a session where we talk about how we're going to plan it. We should have a general idea. I think there's some general you know, waypoints along the way out there. And I'll expect reporting to happen along the way. By the way, folks, that's another reason why managers be have become more planful is they know if they're not going to do the work, they certainly need to know the status of the work. And the best way to get detailed reporting is to have a detailed plan because that way you know when things are supposed to be done and you can quickly go, go to the dashboard, if you will, or your spreadsheet and see whether or not something's green, amber, and red. So it does, serves double purpose to give a detailed plan. But that implies then the manager's the one that comes up with the plan. And in fact, the whole point of this cast is you don't have to be the one that comes up with the plan. That can be something that can be done by the people who actually do the work. So when you first start using this, leader's intent, going from how to why, it is. You're right, Mike. They're going to be unsettled. Um, some people like getting that detailed guidance and have gotten used to it because that's what we've been giving them. So in your first few efforts to use leader's intent, make sure you explain that you're going to be more open about the reasons for what you're asking for, and you're also going to be less detailed in your tasking and your actions guidance. Share with your team, and this is an example of one of um, Horseman's rules, I think, which is never introduce a change to your managerial behavior without first introducing that change. Hey guys, I'm gonna start doing things differently. I'm gonna start doing one-on-ones. And people are like, really, you're gonna tell them first? Doesn't that increase the chances that if you tell them you're gonna change and then you don't, it makes you look bad? Well, yeah, it does. On the other hand, don't surprise them. Try not to surprise your directs with changes in the way you manage and lead people. Share with them you believe that if they understand more of the big picture, there's less of a need for you to be in, in the details and the weeds of how they choose to attack a problem. 
tell them that you give them authority to make decisions about what's being done because they're the ones doing it and the people who do the thing should be making the decision about the thing. Tell them you trust them. And by the way, if you want to build trust and you're not as trusting uh, as you want to be because you're worried about them, tell them you trust them anyway and let them earn it after the fact. Now, there are going to be some people who don't make a good effort to earn it and make a lot of mistakes. Okay, you can give them feedback. You can talk to them about that. But rather than painting everybody with the brush of, I've got to overplan for you, why not release your top people to really get more done and to, f to free them up to be creative and use some initiative by telling them why and, and leaving out most of the how, rather than treating everybody as if they need a detailed plan and then holding them back. And look, guys, sometimes you're going to disagree with their decisions. I spent a lot of time thinking about myself as a manager. Well, I wouldn't have done it that way. And there have been times when I said, well, I wouldn't have done it that way, but okay. And I realize now, even saying, well, I wouldn't have done it that way, there are directs who, if you have a good relation, trusting relationship with them, they think of that as negative feedback. And so I've just said, okay, did it get done? We want to get done? Okay, fine. But look, even if sometimes you're going to disagree with their decision, the vast majority of the time, it would take too long to get someone else, you or one of your subordinate managers say, and you'd rather they move with some speed. And what I mean there is it would take too long for one of your directs to come and get an approval from somebody else, and you'd rather they move with some speed than be constantly asking for permission or approval. Okay, now having said all that, I know many of you have listened to this guidance and had in the back of your head Charlie Conscientiousness, who likes things just so and um, uh, really kind of likes to dot his I's and cross his T's and walks into every meeting and doesn't talk to anybody and sits down on his laptop and does email all day long and is constantly doing mail and has a an algorithm to manage his mail and doesn't really want to talk to you, would prefer to exchange emails back and forth and those kinds of things. Of course, you're going to have directs who want more detailed guidance. And for those people, this is going to be a harder transition. We, we make no bones about that. But it's a valuable transition for them to make to the change that's happening in larger and larger organizations in the world. Okay? If you listen to your CEO or your senior executive, if you listen to everyone talking about organizational life today, they all say we're trying to be more flexible, more adaptable, more creative, more collaborative. And generally speaking, managers listen to executives say those things and they dismiss it because the executives, they say, the only reason she doesn't give me a plan is she's too busy. She's too busy schmoozing and politicking and they have, they've given her too much to do. And so she's, letting, she's leaving me to come up with a plan. But no, they're modeling for you what they think you ought to be doing with your directs in terms of giving more high-level guidance and less detailed guidance. You don't get to blame it on, oh, he's an executive, and so that's the way they do things. But what managers have to do is come up with incredibly detailed project plans, and all those plans we've always created are done in a way, in a vacuum, in that if you're not acting on the plan, the plan that you make in advance is by definition in a vacuum. It's in a vacuum devoid of the real-world, real-time issues that are going to happen four, six, eight weeks later. So what that means, if you're going to think about executives wanting you to be more flexible, um, is that 
in the manager direct relationship that we've talked about for 10 years on manager tools, what that means is more freedom for directs, more ability to make their own choices. Those choices without detailed planning guidance, they do, we know they come at the risk of the direct having to use judgment. And that judgment they've let go soft due to lack of use, which we have enabled by our over planning. The directs who prefer detailed planning may not be good at making good choices on the fly without guidance. And the reason is because they have a fear of being wrong. High Ds, your, your take no prisoners kind of special forces, head of the pack kind of people, they fear failing. High Is, the friendly sales and marketing people, fear not being liked, actually not having influence, not being looked at. The high S's, the, the steady, quiet, loyal, reserved, warm, personable team player, fear not being included. And your perfectionists, they fear being wrong. And so for them, the beauty of this detailed planning guidance model that we've all probably overused versus leaders intent is that they don't have to run the risk of being wrong with the choice that comes up that wasn't foreseen in planning. And here's where it gets really interesting. If there's a problem in a carefully mapped out plan, the plan can be blamed rather than any choice they made. Now, this is not going to stop them, though, from wanting a plan. They want the plan because they don't have to make decisions because they don't like uncertainty. Guys, it's not that they're not smart enough to make the decision. They don't like the uncertainty associated with the decision because they think, why didn't somebody plan this in more detail and tell me which one made more sense? I mean, the person at a higher level would understand which one made more sense. I, I'm not sure I'm ready to make that decision. And they're, they're certainly afraid of being wrong. On the other hand, the high D says, I'm, I'm not afraid of being wrong. I'm afraid of not getting results. And so what the high D tends to do to compensate for that is make, take more actions, take more decisions. And if I make mistakes, okay, fine, I'll just do it differently next time. And I can work harder and overcome the mistake I just made. That said, though, guys, even though those folks who like planning and ask for them and then end up blaming the plan, and I know that annoys a lot of you, it annoys me too, they're going to have to learn to deal with less guidance and more trust if we're going to tap everybody's potential to make decisions and work at what I consider one of the best titles of a business book ever, The Speed of Trust, which was written by Stephen Covey's son. I love that title, Speed of Trust, because it combines two ideas, trust and speed, which most people don't think about. But the fact is, if Mike's my boss and he trusts me and I trust him, when he says to me, here's where we want to go, I'm going to leave a little bit up to you. I actually feel good that he leaves it up to me, and I can make decisions on the fly, constantly referring back to what he said his intent was, his leader's intent. I don't have to bug him. And every time I bug him, every time I ask him, I'm not working toward the goal. And that slows people and work down. And all of leader's intent is about switching from speed of result risk. We don't want speed of result risk. We want decision and initiative risk because we can teach better decisions and initiatives, but it's really hard if we continue to come up plans to teach speed. Yeah. We could do another cast about um, the amount of learning that happens um, with leaders when they have to actually <sighs> issue lead, <laughs> leaders intent because yeah. folks, it, sometimes you go through this, you'll realize 
you're not as crisp and clear even in your yeah. own mind as to what your totally objective agree. is. And so look, guys, let me uh, summarize. Don't explain how. Uh, or if you're going to explain how, keep it light. Explain the why. Show them the big picture. Show them your intent, how this fits into the larger mural that you're part of the organization uh, is in. And then encourage your directs to decide and act toward that intent. Yes, you increase the decision risk and the initiative risk, but you also increase your speed enormously and you reduce the number of times you get pinged with, if you'll pardon me, somewhat cynically saying stupid questions. The U.S. General Patton came very close to what the military calls commander intent when he said, never tell people how to do things. Tell them what to do, and they'll surprise you with their ingenuity. And knowing Patton, we can assume by the what he said, by what, tell them what to do. He didn't mean tasks. He meant the end state, the big picture, the what that he wanted done. The how were the tasks. And too much how, delivered from a boss who has authority, kills creativity that happens inevitably or can happen along the way in a plan. And the fact is, we've said it for 10 years now, effective managers and leaders develop trust with their people. They develop goals and plans for the work, and then they share the why and the what, but not the how. And that why and what is the leader's intent. Awesome, my friend. This is, um, is going to be a classic. I hope so. All right, my friend. Thank you. Thanks, partner. See ya. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next week. In the meantime, have a great one. So long, folks. This podcast was produced by Manager Tools. Manager Tools creates actionable management guidance every single week. To receive additional materials via our newsletter and to find products for situations you may face as a manager or professional, go to www.manager-tools.com. Search for Manager Tools on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn.